Welcome to Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. I'm Jim Dubois. The COVID-19 crisis has dramatically changed the way that we perform our jobs. With shelter-in-place orders and social distancing guidelines in effect, many of those who have the option to work from home are doing so. While some companies have previously offered work-from-home opportunities to their employees, the current emergency has dramatically increased the numbers of remote workers. Working from home under the current circumstances can be challenging and frequently stressful. This week, we speak with the University of Minnesota expert on flexible working options. She joins us via Zoom. Phyllis Moen holds the McKnight Endowed Presidential Chair in Sociology at the University of Minnesota. Professor Moen, welcome back to Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you. Before the coronavirus pandemic, how were companies using technology to reconfigure workplace structures? Was there already a shift taking place that allowed more people to work from home and choose their hours? Really, there wasn't. In some places, there was some flexibility, but technology was being used to increase and ratchet up work intensity. So people were expected to be in the office during normal office hours, but also expected to be on call and instantly responsive on evenings and weekends. So it was a way of intensifying the workload. What are the benefits of working from home and where do you see some common pitfalls? Well, we did a study. It was a rigorous randomized field trial in a Fortune 500 company. And we tried to see how working differently, including giving people more control over their time and letting them work wherever they wanted to and whenever they wanted to, would affect both the business and the individuals. And what we found is not just working at home, but working at home when you want to, when you're able to, when you have the flexibility to turn off the computer or the uh, Zoom for a while has enormous benefits. But it's not just working at home. When you're forced to work at home, in addition to also being in the office, or when you're forced to be always on at home, then it's very problematic and increases rather than decreases stress. Many states, including Minnesota, have a stay-at-home or shelter-in-place order in effect right now. For businesses whose employees now have to stay at home, should they be worried about productivity? I think everyone's worried about productivity in this stressful time. But workers can be productive provided the employers recognize the new realities. What employers can recognize now is the fact that what has always been true, that workers have families and other obligations and interests. And so what we're seeing now is a clash of all these things at home. So workers can be productive provided their managers recognize that they have family responsibilities and are supportive of that, recognize that there needs to be greater flexibility about work, and also one needs to decide what needs doing. Is everything that we always used to do essential? 
or what are the real goals, the real purpose of this job and enable work teams to accomplish those things more effectively. Another thing that managers can do is recognize the need to get rid of a lot of what are called fire drills. That everything is due yesterday. Where there are deadlines that are often artificial or often not necessary. So does a person need to respond right this minute? Do you need to call the person at home right this minute? Can we be more flexible and think about what is good work, what is important work, and how can we do it best? This is obviously an extremely stressful time for many people. Trips to the grocery store have to be done with extreme caution. Basic supplies like toilet paper can be hard to find. Families have lost the option of child care in many situations, and many have concerns for their own health and the health of high-risk family members and friends. How can employers and employees communicate their needs during this stressful time? You hit the word on the head, which is communicate, communicate, communicate. There has to be ongoing conversations that this needs to be a collective process, not just from the top down, but employees need to say what they need, why they're stressed, and how we can collectively work together as teams to get the work done. So communication is key, as well as conveying a degree of flexibility and expectations in the time work is done and in the amount of work that is done, as well as maybe getting rid of low value work, such as unnecessary meetings. I am finding that meetings on Zoom can be as tedious as meetings in person. How can businesses help employees struggling to manage stress and increased family obligations during this time? By being supportive, by recognizing that families have lives, that workers have responsibilities, needs, and desires to have non-work lives. So being supportive of that and recognizing that this is the new normal, that we're not separating work time from other times in our lives, and we need to therefore be more flexible as to working at variable hours, being able to stop work for a while to take care of a child's lunch, to recognize the need to not work in old ways that were really designed for a male workforce without family responsibilities in the 1950s. We're talking with Phyllis Moen, who holds the McKnight Endowed Presidential Chair in Sociology at the University of Minnesota. We're talking about the challenges of working from home during the COVID-19 crisis and the ways our workplaces may change going forward. Studies have found that even in a co-working household, women still do more housework and child care. How are women affected particularly during this time? Well, what we found in our study is that overload from working too intensely for too many hours and trying to multitask affects everybody, regardless of gender age or life stage, that single guys also feel stressed from this. This can be exacerbated for families with other responsibilities, such as children or caring for an aging parent at home. So 
just again, my reiteration of supporting families in this time, recognizing, giving leeway as to when work is done. And again, variable hours as well as flexibility. We have to stop equating working all the time with being productive. Sometimes you're more productive if you take up the work after the child has gone to bed, for example. So being a lot more flexible about the hours when one works. The stock market has tanked during this crisis, which could be making older workers reconsider retirement plans at this point. What do you have for anyone now in terms of advice who might be looking for an encore career? Well, there are lots of jobs out there at this moment. Unfortunately, they're usually face-to-face, which is not good for older workers necessarily. But then there are other kinds of work. I think that at this time, it may be hard to find the encore career that is a safe environment. But you're right. Older workers are trying to work longer, work differently, scale back on their workloads. But let's realize also that, Jim, that uh, numbers of workers are coming back to work because they're needed. So retirees may be an important commodity if they have skills that are needed and can work safely. The pandemic has forced many businesses to adapt to technology that allows workers to work remotely. Do you think for many of the companies that are using remote technology now, this will be a permanent change in the way they conduct business with their employees and suppliers, for example, or vendors? I think it's not an either-or situation that you're working at work or at home. What we will see is greater flexibility of doing some of each. That's what I predict. And that may be the best way of working, which is, again, giving employees and teams control over deciding how they best work to be more efficient, more effective, and to have saner lives. The coronavirus has shown that a lot of work and a lot of meetings can be done remotely. However, even a few weeks into a stay-in-place measure such as we're in right now, many people are kind of longing for that office experience, the contact with colleagues. What do you think will happen after people are allowed back into the office and the workplace? Will the expansion of work from home continue, or will this reinvigorate the concept of having the office as the center place of work? I think, again, it's going to be both, not either or, that people will want to be together, but they'll also recognize and develop new routines on how to be together while apart. For instance, my department at the University of Minnesota has a happy hour, four to six on Fridays, where we don't talk about work. We all Zoom in, and it's very, very nice. So you can create community in a number of ways, and I anticipate that will continue. Once we realize that people do not have to be at their desks in order to have good work done, it really opens up possibilities for greater flexibility. We know that a number of companies uh, some time ago initiated very, I would say, flexible work-from-home options. One that comes to mind immediately is Minnesota's home-based Best Buy. And uh, they and some other companies actually rethought that concept and uh, eliminated a lot of the opportunities for employees to work from home. 
Do you know why that happened? And do you think now companies, because they're forced back into this particular situation, might rethink that policy? I think they will rethink it because it's not only parents of young children that need to work differently, but millennials, young people don't want to work the way their parents or grandparents have, which is all this time in the office in a very strict and structured way. They want more flexibility and more control. So I think that's going to change. But change is hard. And as we saw in Best Buy and in the Fortune 500 company that we have studied, it's very difficult to move away from the status quo. What I would suggest is for companies to consider what are the costs of working in old ways? What are the costs to them of not figuring out new ways of working? Let me also say that some working from home options are not all equal. For instance, there's a mother may I version where you may ask to work at home and it's given as a a dispensation for you to be able to do so. That isn't the same of saying all workers have the opportunity if they can simultaneously meet deadlines and get the work done, which is a very different mindset than the way we work is at work, but a few people have exceptions. What we will see, I believe, is greater acceptance of working differently for everyone who's able to, but with the uh, understanding that Sometimes people need to be in the office or want to be in the office. We're talking with Phyllis Moen, who holds the McKnight Endowed Presidential Chair in Sociology at the University of Minnesota. We're talking about the challenges of working from home during the COVID-19 crisis and the ways our workplaces may change going forward. I've spoken with several friends of mine who are working now remotely, and uh, some of them are indicating that they actually feel more productive, that they don't experience the kind of distractions of conversations with coworkers. There may now be fewer meetings than there were before. Do you think to some extent uh, employers may find that this time of people working remotely may actually increase productivity? In our study, we found that workers felt more productive. They also gain time. If you think about sometimes people have two-hour commutes both ways. So that time is freed up. People have more energy, report having more energy and more uh, opportunities for what we call heads-down work, where you're not interrupted and get your work done. That's key and often easier at home than at work. The caveat is if you have young children around or if you're having to homeschool your children. But again, if you give people more discretion as to when they get the work done, you'll find that they can be perhaps more productive. Now that so many of us have time for reflection, we are you know, certainly experiencing what for the vast majority of us is the most, uh, I guess, surreal period of our lifetimes. And we're seeing how we can work remotely and how the workplace has changed uh, through this coronavirus crisis. 
Do you foresee that some people may start to rethink even their own careers and professions? Uh, We're seeing now a a rise in altruism, people trying to help out their neighbors, elderly people, for example, who might need help getting basic necessities. Do you foresee when this is all said and done and we return to some semblance of normalcy that people may rethink their career path and and perhaps pursue another opportunity? And and this, of course, is right up your alley, uh, Professor Moen, since uh, you are associated with the University of Minnesota's Advanced Careers Initiative. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that initiative and how you think people might rethink uh, where they want to go in terms of their career after this is all over? I think people are being more reflective. They're recognizing that working at breakneck speed, trying to meet impossible deadlines is really unsustainable and bad for their health, their families, and for the firm. So I think people will rethink this. I'm hoping that employers will as well. My UMAC, the University of Minnesota Advanced Careers Initiative is designed for people thinking about encore careers. So we invite boomers and Gen Xers to come back to campus to decide what they want to do next with their lives. So it's an academic year of reflection and movement towards greater purpose. What this period is providing is a time to step back and think about what one wants to do next. So in a way, the coronavirus is creating an opportunity to really reflect on your life and what's important to you. We do the same thing at UMAC. We give a structured program for a year to think about what's next in your life. What do you really want to do and how do you get there? Some of us have always had our work emails accessible on mobile devices, or we've taken our laptops home to do work uh, during the evenings and on weekends. But for some people, this is a brand new experience. Uh, For those who may, for the first time, see themselves as having the ability to respond and and sort of be on call 24-7, what advice do you give to them to set up reasonable boundaries between personal time and work time in this rather unique situation? I think, again, you need to talk with your manager and as team members about when work is going to be done. You're right, because what is happening now, we used to have FaceTime in the office as the way people conveyed, oh, they're really good workers. They're working hard and long hours. One woman told me that when does she leave work? She said, I leave after the boss leaves. Well, now you don't have that measure, which was never a good measure of work effectiveness or productivity, but we use time in the office and time generally as a measure of being a good worker. What we're seeing now is that it's instant availability, instant response is a new FaceTime. So that if you text me, email me, call me, I should be instantly responsive. And that is just extremely stressful for everyone, for family members, for the employee, and is not a good way of working. We need to set boundaries as to Maybe how long does one need to wait before responding? Are there clear heads down time where I can just work? Are there clear times when I can just focus on my family? And 
teams and managers have to work together to figure that out, but not just assume that employees will be instantly responsive all the time. These invisible tethers of technology can be chains as well as liberators, and we have to figure out how to use them to liberate ourselves from the bonds of work. We're talking with Phyllis Moen, who holds the McKnight Endowed Presidential Chair in Sociology at the University of Minnesota. We're talking about the challenges of working from home during the COVID-19 crisis and the ways our workplaces may change going forward. For the vast majority of us, this is truly a unique time in our lives. There's really nothing that I can think of that compares to it, with the possible exception of 9-11, which, uh, of course, was a major, major disaster, uh, a time of great fear in this country. But we returned to normal, I would say, fairly quickly after that horrific day. This seems to have a much more long-term impact on all of us. Looking back at that time, I know that a lot of people took stock as to how their employers handled that situation. Um, Employers, many of them shut down their offices for the duration of that week, or at least told their employees to go home on that terrible day. And I know some friends of mine, their employers were not particularly sensitive to how people were feeling that day. Do you think right now this is a great opportunity for employers to understand that how they treat their employees under these unique circumstances may well uh, determine how those employees feel in terms of their sense of uh, loyalty to the company and whether they would want to even stay with it once this crisis is over and the job market returns to some semblance of normalcy. The evidence from our study, which occurred before this time of pandemic, showed that Workers who were given control over their time were permitted to work differently, whether at home or at night or in different ways, were less likely to leave the company or expect to leave. So my assumption would be that supportive managers, supportive firms now will reap the benefits and employee loyalty later on. We know that many workers now are struggling uh, not only to try and work from home and to navigate this time of crisis, but also there's a lot more togetherness in the home than there has been typically. We have children at home. Things can be a little bit chaotic. Uh, What advice would you give to uh, people who are working, parents who are working, uh, to tell their children to make them understand that mom and dad sometimes need time to do their job and, and, you know, please try and keep your interruptions to a minimum during this time? It's really hard, especially the younger the child is. I know a three-year-old that helps mom and dad both work at home, which is also another issue when you have two parents who need to be online or communicating from a distance. So it's very hard. But if you can try to establish times and places when you are totally available to your children and really timeouts from work is key. But it is. It's stressful. But what I like about this situation is that for the first time, I believe, we're really recognizing that workers have lives. It's in your face. And that's so important. They've always had these responsibilities and concerns. They've always had dramas at home, stresses, crises. And yet we've said that people at work should act as if there's nothing 
else in their minds except their jobs. Now we see that's unrealistic and unproductive. So it's bringing to the fore the reality that we have multiple interests, multiple concerns, and that work is part of it, but it isn't our whole life. Phyllis Moen holds the McKnight Endowed Presidential Chair in Sociology at the University of Minnesota. Professor Moen, thanks so much for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you, Jim. Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. Coming up next week, we'll look at the impact that the loss of professional, collegiate, and amateur sports during the COVID-19 crisis is having on sports fans and the greater community. Be sure to visit us at DialogueMinnesota.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. I'm Jim Dubois. Thanks for listening. See you next time.